everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We're going to get into the Word about some things that I think are going to help us live in the world we have to face today. It's wonderful that we have heaven as our eternal home, and I think that's something that we need to remember, certainly. But thank God He's concerned about the world we face and the challenges that we face in that world. And so we're going to look at some things we've been talking about this year, the fact that God has invested in every believer tremendous potential to fulfill the calling of God to do that which God desires for us to do, to live a life that is that is effective and, and fulfilling in all of the things that we seek. And one of the things that we've gotten into over the last number of weeks is talking about the fact that in Jesus' uh, last prayer to the church, in John chapter 17, he prayed something to the Father that is really outstanding. He said, God, these people that I'm praying for now, and by extension, everyone that will believe according to their name. That's what he said later in the prayer. He said, these people are not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. He said, but don't take them out of the world. Protect them from the evil one. Then he said again, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. And so as we look at what he's saying here, what what does that really mean to us? What is it that he's trying to convey? Well, I believe that we are to be like he was, supernatural people. He was a supernatural person. He didn't live life the way everybody else lived life. And we are not to be people who would live life like everybody else lives life. And so God is saying to us, Jesus is praying for us, that we would be supernatural people living right here in the natural world. And we studied Israel and how uh, when God delivered them from bondage, everything that happened to them was based in the supernatural, a supernatural deliverer, a supernatural warfare against Egypt in the plagues, supernaturally providing for them through uh, the Red Sea in the desert and all that happened there. And then even when they went into the promised land, they were called to be people who dwelt in a place of the supernatural, lived supernatural lives. And and that is what I believe God is calling us to today, to be out there in the world, not to be separated to the point where we're not participating in our world, but to be a different kind of people living right in the world with God's hand upon our lives. Last time we talked about what it means to be supernatural, and I love the definitions here. It means of or pertaining to or being above or beyond what is natural, unexplainable by natural law. I believe we can be a people who are living lives touched, not just in the spectacular. There are are healings and miracles that I've seen in my life. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you've probably seen in your life. But there's the other side of the supernatural, and that's the everyday supernatural. And everyday life, at our jobs, in our families, uh, in our interactions with others, that things that where uh, our lives are touched by things that are beyond what is natural, things that happen that, that are outside of what's possible for us in the natural, including signs and wonders and miracles. 
things that are unexplained by natural law. In other words, things happen in our lives. I've seen things financially and things uh, in in terms of relationships and and building the church that we've built, uh, three of them, that you just couldn't explain it. There's no way we could do the things that we did with the people we have, but we did. Why? Because we were operating in a supernatural place where it was touched by something that can't just be explained by our natural abilities. You're not limited to your natural abilities. You're not limited to your natural resources or even to your natural uh, birth relationship. In other words, what family you came from, what class you're a part of. There is no class in the kingdom of God, but first class, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus. And so it also meant pertaining to or characteristic of or attributed to God or, or a deity in our case, the living God. And what that means simply is that we live a life according to his standards, according to what he desires, according to his righteousness, our standards of behavior should be higher. We should be more honest, more full of integrity, more uh, upright in our dealings with others, more kind. You know, there's a whole list of things in in the fruit of the spirit. That fruit should be manifesting a kindness. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, kindness and gentleness and long suffering. All of that is part of being a natural a supernatural person in this natural world, that we have supernatural peace, that we have supernatural kindness, that we're able to deal with people on a supernatural level. And then of a superlative degree, degree John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundant. Before that, he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundant. And that means to a higher degree, a superlative degree, better life and longer life. Uh, And certainly we have the longest life because we have eternal life. And why should that happen? Because God loves us. He's our Father. He wants to bless us, and He doesn't want us limiting our lives to just what this world can offer. He has so much more for us in so many dimensions, not just the natural needs, though in Matthew uh, Matthew 5, rather, uh, no, Matthew 6, excuse me, he promises those things. He says, uh, don't worry about what you need. I'll take care of that. I'm your father. My, your heavenly father knows you what you need, and he's going to take care of it. But beyond that, the inward life, and we'll talk about that for a mi- in a moment. And But more important even than what God does in us, our world is searching for solutions. Our world needs to see something that is beyond what the natural has to offer. You know, I really believe, I, I mentioned this last time in Proverbs chapter 4, it talks about the, 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 those that are, that are unrighteous, the unrighteous stumble, and they don't know why. So many pr- uh, solutions that the world offers. And most people, if you look at it, what government, a lot of the government things, and, and natural things. You look at it and you think, this doesn't even make sense. And it's not working. That's the bottom line. It is not working. Our world is not getting better. It's getting worse all the time, at least from my perspective, and I think from a biblical perspective. But there needs to be someone there. And that's where we are are, are, are called to be. That will be these supernatural people touch, uh, being touched in ways that cannot be explained just by the natural. Joy, peace, long-suffering, 
provision, uh, healing, all those things that the world can look at us and say, how do you do that? How do you have what you have? How do you get through even in walking in, in, in the joy of the Lord and the peace of God? How can you do that in the midst of all this? Well, we do it because we have a supernatural connection to a supernatural God who gives us supernatural provision in every area of life. So I want to continue with that today and look at, again, John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. There are some things here, and as I was looking at this prayer, I realized Jesus is praying that what we need to be supernatural people would be formed in us. So let's take a look at some things today. Jesus spoke these words. This is John 17, 1. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come to glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Now let's stop there for just a moment. Point one I want to make, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but it's this simple truth. Why must we be the supernatural people? Because what he came to the earth to do when he's praying this prayer was just about done. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to uh, experience that death, burial, and resurrection that Paul calls the gospel. He was going to be raised from the dead for our life, giving us newness of life. He was going to pay for our sin. It was almost done. He didn't have much left to do, so he says, I've come to the end of my journey. Now glorify me. And I, this is... A supernatural people think differently than other people. Jesus says, glorify me. How is he going to be glorified? He's going to have to die a horrible death. Beyond that, he's going to take upon himself the spiritual consequence and pressure of the sin of all mankind. And then he's going to be raised from the dead. But he's got to go through part one and part two before he gets to part three. I don't think many of us would call that glory. But in his way of thinking, because it accomplishes the will of God, he's being glorified. And anything that we do, that accomplishes the will of God, produces the glory of God in the earth, and therefore we are, in a sense, being glorified or filled with his glory because we do the will of God. That's the way uh, supernatural people think. It's a different way to look at life. And then he says this, and this is eternal life. Now, the word eternal life derived from the word in Greek zoe or absolute life, supernatural life. This is eternal life. And eternal life is not something for the sweet by and by. Eternal life is something that we live in right now. Once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have that life in us and we can tap into and access the power of that life because of our relationship with him. He says, this is eternal life to as many, uh, excuse me, that he should give a thought, eternal life to his many as know him. And verse three, I got a little bit messed up, but you understand that I'm human too. Hallelujah. And this is eternal life that they may know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had before the world was. He says, listen, I'm, I'm going back. I'm going back to where I was before. But now I'm communicating this to them, that they would know you. And he makes this statement, and I want to kind of focus there to, today as we talk for just a few minutes. This is is eternal life. This is real life. This is abundant life. This is absolute life, life in the absolute sense, to know God. 
Oh, my brother and sister, if we want to be supernatural people living in the midst of a natural world, we need to understand that real life, real life stems from knowing God. Now, in our Western culture, we have developed into a very uh, materialistic culture. We focus on a lot of things and we, we have a saying, you know, if you're if uh, like if you were on vacation and, and and you got to go to a really nice place and a nice resort and and, you know, you don't have any cares because you're on vacation. You don't have to worry the things paid for. Everything is good and you're on the beach and you're relaxing and uh, you, you're just just in wonderful uh, accommodations, luxurious accommodations. And we think, wow, I'm really living the good life now. Well, you know what? That's not the good life. The good life. Now, I'm not saying you can't enjoy that. My wife and I spend time sometimes. God gives us, you know, uh, things like that, and we get to spend time in places like that, but that is not the good life. Matter of fact, that kind of life is not really worth living if you don't know God. That's If that's all you have, if that's the end of it, then let me tell you something. First of all, if you're on vacation, you're going to have to go back. And if this is your life, if you just have all the money that you need and you, you don't have to work hard for a living and you're just doing what you want to do, you know what? It's going to come to an end. That's not going to last forever. And sooner or later, you're going to have to face the fact that every one of us leaves this life. So now what? You see, to real life is centered in knowing God intimately. One of the things that I think is very interesting, Western civilization really began to develop uh, in, in what we call the Renaissance. And the Renaissance was a rebirth. Now, we tend to think that that's when you know, people got civilized. It's not true. Under Greece, in Rome, in Egypt, there were tremendous levels of civilization. A lot of technology that we don't, indoor plumbing and, and luxuries and all these kind of things that we think just started in Western Europe sometime around the, the 1500s, 1600s in the Renaissance, that's not true. There was, that's why it's called a Renaissance, a rebirth. A rebirth of what? A rebirth. I just knocked the mic over. A rebirth. I like to use my hands. A rebirth of civilization. A rebirth of art. A rebirth of science. A rebirth of all of the things that we see today as important. But what we do not understand. Now, in the, in the Greek and Roman world, this they had these kind of things but they had them they flew they would flow from a polytheistic uh, uh culture uh, uh false gods they worshiped false gods and so a lot of it flowed from that in the renaissance it was different because before the renaissance came the reformation the Reformation was a, a res restoration, a reforming of Christian thinking. It began with someone called Martin Luther, and there were many others involved. But Martin Luther, he began to look at the Christian religion as it was, and he sought God for something deeper, something more. And he had an encounter with God. And in that encounter with God, God began to deal with him. He began to understand that he could have a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with God himself. He didn't need to go through the clergy, the priesthood at that time. He didn't need to confess his sins 
through a man, but he himself could have a relationship with God. There was the underlying thinking that only the clergy had a real relationship with God, kind of like the under, under Judaism where it was the priesthood who came into the presence of God. The people couldn't. Well, that got translated into Christianity, and so it was the priesthood who could come to God. It was the priesthood who forgave sin. People themselves, normal people, didn't have that kind of relationship. Martin Luther saw that. He saw the corruption surrounding it. And he and God dealt with him that people could have a personal relationship with God. That's why he translated the Bible into the common language of his country, German, so that ordinary people could have a personal relationship with God. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Real life is not just having good things. There's nothing wrong with having good things. There's nothing wrong with understanding that that we can enjoy what life has to offer. I thank God for the wonderful things that life has to offer us in this time. But there's a lot of other stuff that we don't need to have any part of. Jesus said it this way in Mark, I mean in Matthew, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, now this is just after where, where Peter Uh, says to Jesus, Jesus asked uh, a question, very important question, who do men say that I am? Certain answers came from other disciples. Then he said, who do you say that I, the son of, uh, that I am? First one was I, the son of, who do men say I, the son of man am? But then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter stood up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, uh, uh, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My father revealed this to you. And I'm giving the kingdom keys to the kingdom, not to Peter, not to the, to some, uh, position like a Pope. He's giving them to the church in this truth that to know God, that to knowing that he was the Christ, the son of the living God was opening Peter's understanding to who God was. And so even after that happened, Jesus said, I've got to go to Jerusalem now, and I'm going to die. And Peter came up to him and said, no, that's not going to happen. And Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you're thinking like men and not like God. Then he said this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's pretty hard. Deny yourself. What does that really mean? It means to deny that I am the center of my, my life and my universe, to deny that I am the Lord of my life. I'm not the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. To deny himself, to take up his cross. What, well, our cross is not Jesus' cross. Our cross is whatever God has put upon us to do. And sometimes it involves denying what we want to do, de- denying uh, what, what we see as best for our life in terms of the world. Then he says, take up your cross, follow me, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever desires to lose his life for my sake will find it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. There is a higher life, and there is a lower life. The lower life can have all the money in the world. It can have luxury. It can have position. It can have all those things. It can have the right uh, spouse or uh, children, whatever you may look at as the good life, what really makes up life. But without knowing God, it's a low life. It's something lower than what God has for you. God has a better life. 
Jesus called it the abundant life. What is that to, uh, uh, better life? He says he, we have to be willing to lose the low life, to forsake the low life, to, to walk away from the low life, to not make the low life the primary determiner in what I will do or what I won't do. He says if he loses that life, he's going to find something greater. And that's what we're talking about. Jesus said to know God is this life. If I know him and he's actively involved in my life and he's working in my life and he's changing me and he's working through me, touching those around me, working in me with supernatural things that the world can't even really understand, then I have found a life that is far higher than anything the world could possibly have to offer. If we accept that knowing this is the essence of life, then it will change our perspective. One of the things that we're going to have to do, I have to understand that whatever uh, decisions I make must be must flow from this truth, that to know God is real life. And so anything in my life, when you're faced with decisions, when you're faced with what you will or won't do, choices to make, what choices are going to make knowing him are going to enhance knowing him are going to help me know him better and what choices will hinder me from knowing him better now there's a lot of things in between and so i'm not saying that we can't enjoy life we can't have fun we can't do anything other than read our bible all the time and pray all the time that's not even practical that's not going to help us reach out to the world but when we look at the decisions we make whether it's about pleasure what we will or won't do. Uh, many times in our lives, you know, uh, we were pastors, uh, and so Sunday morning church and whatever else we were doing in church was number one on our priority list. But you know what? I don't think that's just for pastors. But in our lives, you know, if there was something that was going to conflict with Sunday morning because of the call of God, because of God's desire for us, well, we didn't do that. It didn't matter whether it was good or bad. We just didn't do it because knowing God comes first in everything that you do, whether it's uh, where you live. I have some friends right now that are, that are going to move a long ways away from where they grew up and where they live because that's where God's leading them to. That helps them know God better. To stay where they are, it's not going to help them know God if God is calling them to another place. You see, the decisions we make about money, whether we spend money, what we spend money on, whether, uh, whether we give or whether we don't give, and where we give and how we give, all of that, is this, is this flowing from my knowing God? Is this enhancing my knowing God? Or is this enhancing me? Is this, uh, is this my holding on to the lower life? Or am I letting go of things that are going to help me attain to the higher life of being a supernatural person? Uh, the decisions we make, it's so important that this be a determining factor. Uh, if, if it'll help me know God better, then I'll do it. If it won't, if it, uh, particularly if it moves me away, and of course, sin always moves you away from knowing God. Uh, sin is, is, is the flesh taking control. But there are things in between. They're not necessarily sin. In Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus says, or the word of God says, lay aside every sin that easily besets you, the sin that easily besets you, and every weight. Well, what are the weights? They're not necessarily sins. They just hold you back. And so they're going to hold you back from knowing God. We need to evaluate those things in our lives. You need to make that uh, that number one priority, is this helping me know God? Is this keeping me from knowing God? And if we do that, then a number of things are going to be produced in us. Uh, I, I won't pull back because a decision 
will cause something negative in the natural. I'm not going to care about that. I'm going to ask myself, will this bring me more into the supernatural, more to knowing God, more into that life? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to step away from things because, you know, I'm telling you, even the, the job or, or the education or whatever it may be, relationships, that's a big one. Well, you know, people won't, you know, they'll think I'm a little crazy. I'm a little too extreme. Listen, you can never be too extreme in your relationship to knowing God. And you're knowing him. You can't be too extreme in that. It's just impossible. The more you know him, the more that supernatural touch will be on your life. But also, I understand that I am a supernatural person, living a supernatural life because of knowing God. So as I understand that, knowing God gives me access to something that cannot be explained by natural things. The result will be a lifestyle that reflects the nature and character of the God that I serve. And as I do that, then the world is going to see something in me that they're going to want. Not a doctrine, not a theology. Doctrine and theology are wonderful things, but that's not what we bring to the world. Not doctrine, not theology. What we bring to the world is the Jesus that we know. And if we don't know him, if we're not living like we know him, if we don't have the touch of his supernatural hand upon our lives, then what are we bringing to the world? Just a better idea? There's a lot of good ideas. We don't have a good idea. We have a great and wonderful God that can, that can touch any circumstance in any situation and that gives us access to life that goes far beyond what is natural while we're here, but also extends into the eternal where God wants to spend time with us. It says in Ephesians that that he did all he did through Christ so that he may let us know that he might show us all that he is, all that he has. The blessing of the supernatural father on my needs is part of what we get. And there's something else, the intangibles that make life worth living. Oh, you can have all kinds of things. You can have all kinds of stuff. We, we have a saying in this country, who dies with the most toys wins. That's not true. He who dies knowing God wins. Hallelujah. And there's just something about a life where God is involved, where his touch is upon me, in my family, in my work, in my lifestyle. It, an, it's an intangible thing. Sometimes it's more than tangible, but there are intangibles that come into my life because I know him. Not only that, I have a supernatural destiny that God created me for. As I know him better, I'll walk into that destiny. I'll fulfill his calling upon my life. I'll fulfill what he created me to be while I'm here. And maybe most important, uh, it's a life, a supernatural life is a life that will draw people to the supernatural God as we serve him and as they struggle to navigate this natural world in which we live. God wants you to be a supernatural person, and it can be. Because the supernatural God dwells within you. The supernatural word of God has been put into your hand. The Holy Ghost is here as our helper, our comforter, as we walk into these things. It, it takes time to grow into this, to being a supernatural person. We start out as one uh, when we're born again. But to allow that supernatural nature to filter out into our natural lives, it takes time. You have to understand that that. There are, there are uh, things that are going to grow and develop in you, and there are things that will resist that growth and development. And as we just allow him to be in us, 
what he needs to be in us as we come to know him better day by day. You know, it says in the New Testament that Moses, when he went up into the mountain, he came back and his face was glowing and he had to cover it because that glowing went away after a while. But Paul says that that glowing is in us, in the Holy Ghost, and we don't have to uncover our face. Matter of fact, we have to uncover that supernatural God that's within us. And there will not maybe be uh, a physical glow that people can see, but the glow that was on Moses is in us today, and it will glow out into our natural lives until the people around us can see it and know there's something different. And when they ask you, what, what is different about you? You can say, I'd like to introduce you to somebody that can let you know what this is all about. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Uh, let's, let's build this into it. Let's, let's make this year a year of the supernatural Christian, the supernatural life. And uh, we'll talk to you more soon. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. Have a great day.